0: Welcome to the Miss Teacher Mom Podcast, where we aim to encourage and equip moms to raise their kids with eternity in mind. Today, I'm talking to William Bockenstein. He is the pastor of Emanuel Fellowship Church in Kalamazoo, Michigan. William is the author of several books, and he writes for publications such as Ligonor Ministries and the Gospel Coalition. Today, we'll be talking about family worship. Which is something that my husband and I have been learning a lot about lately, and I'm excited to share that with you. Bill, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me.
1: Yeah, just excited about what you're doing and glad, uh, glad to be part of it. So thanks, thanks for the opportunity.
0: Yeah. My husband and I have never experienced parents conducting family worship regularly. So I imagine this concept is new to many of my listeners. And I'd love if we could start the conversation with you just explaining what do we mean by family worship?
1: Yeah, th- great question. Let me let me back up a little bit and say, Caitlin, that you have an excellent opportunity, uh, as well as many of your followers do, to change your family history. So this may be new to you and to others as well, but hopefully your kids will be able to share the kind of experience that I've had and many others have had as well um, who can't remember a day when they didn't have family worship. And if some of you are raising older children and you're starting the practice uh, with kids a little bit older who will remember a day when they didn't have family worship, I, I think they'll remember and respect your resolve to begin this important discipline. So super exciting. So glad that you guys are are doing this. So to answer your question, family worship is, I think, a little bit like congregational worship. So that's probably the simplest way to think about it. It's a little bit like uh, like home church, but it's daily, it's shorter, it's simpler, it's more interactive. Um, it is, I think, one of the most obvious ways that we can practice the, da- the, the early church's daily commitment to the doctrine of the apostles. We really can't do that as congregations in the same way that we can do in the home. So, it's simply carving out a little bit of time every day to read the Bible, to sing together, to pray together. All of us can do that, not, you know, maybe equally well or with the same degree of expertise, but we can all do it. You don't have to preach a sermon, you don't have to be excellent singers, your prayers don't have to be long and fancy. Just read the Bible, pray together, sing together.
0: Mm-hmm. I love that. Thank you so much. My husband and I recently came across a very old church constitution, and it included the expectation that fathers lead their families in regular worship within the homes, and that failing to do so actually called for church discipline. We were shocked to read that, but it was clear that churches saw family worship very highly. But it seems as though family worship has become a thing of the past. Can you explain what's happened? and what is happening? Uh, Where has this expectation and pattern of godly living, leading, and shepherding gone?
1: Yeah. Well, let me start with maybe the least damning answer and then move more seriously. Um, I think on the one hand, we would all say busyness, right? We feel like we have tight schedules. It's hard to squeeze things in. Uh, So maybe family worship is gone, by the way, because of that. But if we look at that rationale or that, that reasoning, we aren't given less hours today than people in the day you know, that, that you read the church constitution. Um, we're just simply choosing to fill those hours differently than people before us. And so we can't really use busyness as an excuse. We have to prioritize, and we will prioritize, things that are most important to us. And so our schedules uh, sort of reveal our hearts and where our most serious commitments lie. So I think busyness is one reason, but we have to check that off and say that's not going to uh, prevent me from you know from leading my family and worship together, I think another reason is specialization you know in the, in a sense, we see that culture wide We are more and more and it 's not always bad, but we're more and more trusting ourselves to specialists, people who are the experts in certain areas and so in in a certain sense we 're taking as a result of that a little less responsibility for ourselves because we 're entrusting ourselves to the experts so we might be entrusting our children to the care of the experts in the spiritual field, uh, pastors, Sunday school teachers, youth group leaders, all of whom may be doing excellent work, but they shouldn't take the place of the shepherding of, of mom and dad. And so specialization can be good, but it can also lead us to not invest the time that god has given us to invest into our own family. I think a third reason could be spiritual passivity. I think we're listening to the to the voice of our culture that says that we shouldn't proselytize our children. We we shouldn't put pressure, even positive pressure, on our children to embrace the Christian faith. But of course, that flies in the face of everything the Bible teaches about, you know, Psalm 78, for example, tell your children, uh, teach the next generation the marvelous works of God. So we can't be spiritually passive. I think a fourth and probably most serious answer to your question is spiritual decline. We, we might simply just lack the spiritual ambition of those who have gone before us. So it's good that you see that example in history. I also did something like you years ago, stumbled upon a little tract called the church in the home. And it was just almost an an assumption, a given that dad would function as sort of like pastors in the home to their their children. So yeah, let's recognize what's happening and do the best that we can to correct it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I've been reading a book recently by Elizabeth Elliot entitled The Shaping of a Christian Family. And regarding family worship, she says, how thankful I have been in the dark hours that my parents saw to it that hymns became fixed in our minds and hearts through what was to us at the time merely a family routine. And she just talks about how what seemed so ordinary and what her and her siblings would roll their eyes at during their evening family worship and morning family worship became to her just this wealth of treasure throughout her lifetime, decades later, where she's remembering hymns and scriptures that her family meditated on. And I'd love if we could land there for a few minutes. What are some of the benefits we can hope to expect through a faithful commitment to family worship?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to jump on a couple of the phrases that she uses. Beautiful. Family routine, I think, is a really good way to put it. Mm -hmm. It is routine. And few families, at least my own experience, is that very seldom do we have sort of amazing spiritual impact every time we meet for family worship, right? It it is a routine. Uh, But the routine catches up on us in a good way, I think the other phrase I love in that in her observation is that the parents saw to it that Mm -hmm. they would gather. So you don't need your kid's permission to do family worship. Your kids don't have to love it. But I think in time, if God blesses the work, they'll thank you for it. And I've that's been my experience and experience of friends older than me who remember their parents leading them, seeing to it that they would worship together and so thankful for it. So I love the way that she puts that. Some of the benefits, progress in God's word, for example, if, if you're only gathering for corporate worship, your, your kids might only be hearing a few verses of the Bible a week. And that's just not going to cut it in terms of their sanctification. But if you only read one chapter a day in family worship, your children, say from like age five to 18, will have read the Bible through three times. And and that's just, you know, it's just one chapter after another, just seeing to it. And, uh, you know, even just 15 minutes a day equals a thousand hours together by the time they're 18. So So just togetherness, which a lot of families are lacking today, and, and I think, too, the way that she puts it, the, the hymns do become worked in our hearts. Mm-hmm. The favorite songs of our youngest child who's six are the songs that she's learning in family worship. And I'm mm-hmm. sure someday some other songs are going to creep in and appeal to her. But right now, these are the songs that she's singing, that she's loving, and they're just getting drummed into her hearts. It's also time to talk about the most important things of life to answer questions that arrive so in our family the way we try to go about it we try to walk that fence between being highly structured and allowing for a bit of meandering so we do meander a little bit we, we entertain questions and we're being able to engage things that if we weren't dedicated to being together for 15 to 30 or so minutes a day we wouldn't cover a lot of topics that we're getting the chance to cover together and then i think also especially for little children family worship prepares children for corporate worship. I hear a lot of parents of very little children saying, I don't know why my kids aren't sitting through church. You know, they can't stay quiet. They're not. Well, I think it's perhaps because they're not learning that at home. So we shouldn't expect our kids to benefit from corporate worship if they aren't being trained to sit, to listen, to participate in family worship at home. So I think those are some of the benefits and probably a lot others would accrue as well.
0: Absolutely. And then she mentions that in the book, like, there's no way my parents had any idea the fruit that Mm -hmm. would bear from their humble commitment to train us in the words. I think the benefits are just unimaginable and i even think that that habit right i think you mentioned that your parents did that and now you do that so it's also recognizing that we could be starting a habit or a routine that will carry on for generations that's
1: right yeah it wasn't a, it was never a question in my mind of whether this is, was going to continue it was just how things were in a good way and so my wife was raised in a family where this wasn't the practice and so like some of your uh, listeners she's has had the opportunity now over the last 15 or so years to adopt a, a practice that wasn't true for her growing up, but is true now for her kids and hopefully grandkids as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I'd love it if you could, and this is off the cuff, but kind of share a word of warning. We have these staggering statistics of children who are raised in Christian homes who are walking away from the faith and are seen to not have been believers. And just the impact that family worship can have on the children as far as their saving faith goes.
1: Yeah, no, exactly right. What 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 makes for a Christian family? I mean, what are some of the most basic disciplines that would happen in a family that considers itself Christian? And I think getting together to pray, to read the Bible, to talk about spiritual things—that's just a, a real basic mark of of a Christian family. And so I think if kids are growing up in a family that's identifying as Christian, but aside from congregational worship, a couple hours, you know, a week, isn't really doing Christian disciplines, they start to wonder how how real is this? How pervasive is the faith going to be in my, in my family? And if it isn't there, you know, they start saying, well, maybe it isn't that important for me either. So yeah, I think it's vital for, for just emphasizing to children that we really do want the word of God to dwell richly in our hearts Mm -hmm. and uh, to encourage one another with scripture, not just on Sunday, not just from the professional, but, you know, in our ordinary lives as well.
0: Absolutely. And it's definitely not the only way. There are Christians I respect who don't do family worship. Even my, my husband, his mom, loves the Lord and never did family worship. But she took them every morning at 5 a.m. to the church to pray through his whole upbringing. So there are other ways to show your devotion to Christ. But this is one very easy, tangible way to do that. Right. So I really want to encourage ladies to, to chat with your husbands and talk about how you could easily fold this in to your day. For those who have never experienced or led family worship like your wife and even like us, learning how to do this now, how would you recommend implementing the habit in the home?
1: I think the key to success is regularity. So okay. it doesn't sound quite right to say quantity over quality. But in a, sort of, in a sense, that's, that's kind of what happens. I mean, the quality of, of every day's meeting isn't always going to be tremendous, but it's going to accrue in time if you're regular. So I think regularity, find a time that works well for your family. Ours has always been 30 minutes sort of just prior to our youngest kids going to bed, kind of the way of closing the day for us. That may change as our family grows. That time has certainly changed for us over the years. So strive for regularity and then simply read the Bible and what we've often done is just sort of systematically reading through chapter by chapter, not always the Bible in order from Genesis to Revelation. We've sort of focused more of our attention in the New Testament. We'll go to the Old Testament periodically as well. But, you know, you might also read Bible study materials on occasion. When our children were young, we used uh, Dr. Joel Beakey's little book called Family Worship. We used that sort of one chapter a day for our family worship time, and our children then helped to sort of enforce with us as parents what we were going to be doing over, you know, the course of their childhood. So we were learning family worship together by using a family worship guide. Uh, Jason Halopoulos has another excellent book called The Neglected Grace, Family Worship in the Christian Homes. You might just use books like that to get started so you learn together. Recently, our family took a week to read Christina Fox's little book called Tell God How You Feel, and that was very, very edifying. So we don't always just read the Bible, but Um, That's our base. Reformation Heritage Books also has an excellent resource called Family Worship Bible Guide, which asks questions about every single chapter in the Bible. It provides commentary on some of the challenging passages that you're going to read together as a family. So have those resources on hand as well. And then Sing Together. Our family has at home copies for all of the family members of the hymnal that we use at church. So we're using the same book. So we're acquainting ourselves with it. Each week we practice as a family, the Psalm of the week that our congregation is going to work through in the evening service. Um, and then everyone picks us a, a song that we sing t- together. So people have the opportunity to sort of take ownership by recommending songs and then pray. You know, sometimes I pray as the father, sometimes someone else prays. Sometimes we sort of go around in the circle and pray. Sometimes we pray for the next person in the circle. So we're having an opportunity to intercede for each other as well. I think it's so important to be able to do that. If we don't learn to pray out loud at a young age, it's often very hard to pick up uh, later in life. One other resource I might recommend is a, a website called formsandprayers.com, formsandprayers, spelled out.com. dot resource of the denomination of churches that I serve that actually provides a number of pre-written prayers that you can read together as a family, which we found very edifying. We don't do that all the time, but on occasion we do. And then you might move into other resources. Historic catechisms can provide a great way of working through the Bible systematically.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so those are those are some of the tips that we've followed in, in implementing family worship over the years.
0: That's helpful. I love hearing, um, I feel like I'm hearing you say two things. One, the Bible is enough and the Bible should be your base and your foundation. And two. There are a lot of awesome resources out there that can help you and that you can use to supplement. And mm-hmm. with that in mind, I'd love to encourage my listeners to ask around, ask your friends, what are they doing? Yeah. And ask your pastor, ask some elders or deacons, how are you leading your family in worship? And what does it look like for you? I know for us, my husband's decided recently to bookend our days. So during breakfast, we're going through the Psalms, just do a passage a night. So yeah, he just great. bookends it. But I think something I, I found incredible about what Elizabeth Elliott said is I don't have hymns in my heart. And that's made it really hard for me. So we just made our own makeshift little pamphlet with like eight songs in it that we can sing together because we don't have those Songs stored in our hearts, but we're sure. looking forward to knowing that our children will have those songs in their. You hearts. know,
1: and and there's a lot of resources. If you're not if you're not musically inclined, folks, there's a website that I use a lot called hymnary.org, which uh, has piano part recorded for thousands and thousands of hymns. You can have that playing while you're singing the hymn that you found in your hymnal. And of course you could, you could YouTube just about any hymn you want to sing. And a lot of times the lyrics are on the screen as well. That may not work for everybody, but there are ways to help if you're not, if you're not musically inclined.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. To close, I'd like to ask you the same question that I ask every guest, which is, do you have any words of wisdom or encouragement you'd like to share with moms seeking to raise their kids with eternity in mind?
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, keep collaborating like you're doing. I, l- I love what you're doing and learning from one another. That's, that's huge. Also be unvaryingly committed to corporate worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've been talking about family worship. That's very, very important. But, but in terms of corporate worship, it, it should never occur to your kids that church is an option or that sporadic attendance is an option. One of my friends published a book a number of years ago, and he dedicated the book to his parents with these words. He said, for my parents, because they made me listen to sermons. And it was just such a known thing that was going to happen Sunday after Sunday, and that became so formative to him in his life. So be unvaryingly committed to corporate worship. Then a second thing I would say is train your children in grace. I think, at least in my experience and a lot of other parents' experiences as well, uh, I think young parents who are serious about raising their kids with eternity in mind often err on the side of firmness and severity, Mm-hmm. At least that's that's what I've found. I mean, we want to do the right thing. Sometimes we feel like we're making up for lost time or mm-hmm. compensating for what we didn't get in our own childhood. And sometimes we err on the side of firmness and severity. And so I just love this text from Titus 2, verse 11, I think it is. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness, worldly passions, and several other things. But it's the grace of God that's training us. And so our kids certainly need the law, they need firmness, they need order and structure, but grace should take priority in our in our parenting. So I'd encourage us to to train our children in grace, not neglecting the law, but emphasizing the grace of God.
0: Amen. Right, like my parents love Jesus and they love me.
1: Yeah, that's a great combination. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Thank you so much for your time.
1: It's been it's been great. Uh, Caitlin. so thanks so much for your time and blessings Thank on your you. work.
0: Thank yeah. you. I hope that this episode was a blessing to you. Did you know that I've written a few children's books about how awesome it is to be homeschooled? You can check those out at MissTeacherMom.com. And be sure to join us next week for the Miss Teacher Mom podcast.